0: The Whiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. The rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the Scooter, the Barber, and the Nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron. All right,
1: everybody. Welcome on back to Baseball History One on 101. Um, we got a good topic this week. It's going to be the Ryan Express, Mr. Nolan Ryan. We all know him. It's strikeout king. One of the best. One of the best brawlers to ever be a pitcher. <laughs> Ask Robin Mature about that. Yeah. Um, countless no hitters. Yeah. Um, Eight time All Star, World Series champion, multiple time ERA and strikeout ERA leader, 11 time strikeout leader. Um, he's got his number retired. With three different teams, and he's in the Hall of Fame for all three of those teams, and a member of the MLB All awesome Century Team, mm-hmm. and a Baseball Hall of Fame member who was inducted in 1999 with 98.79 percent of the vote. Yeah, which I don't know how that's not unanimous because you got those hard-ass sports writers who are like nobody deserves to be unanimous, right? But well, except for Mariano, <laughs> yeah, he was the first one, man. Mm-hmm. So I guess we could start off with him. He was uh, born in 1947 in Refugio, Texas, just south of Victoria in the southern part of the state. He was the youngest of six kids to Martha and Lee.
2: Martha Lee and Lynn Nolan Sr. Yeah.
1: Sorry. He um, operated, his dad was a newspaper delivery guy for the Houston Post. So he was early up and... um, Covered fifty-five mile route, so they were in rural Texas, and they were the kids helped. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes to the work ethic with them. Um, his family lived in nearby of Woodsboro, Texas, until they moved to Alvin, Texas, in Brazoria County when he was six weeks old. As a young boy, he enjoyed throwing objects at any target, so he was he was born hmm. Um He thought baseball was a better usage for his arm, so he his dad kind of was like, hey, you got a cannon, bro, let's <laughs> do it. Dad knows best. And then he played in the Alvin Little League when he was nine, made the All-Star team when he was 11 and 12, pitched the first no-hitter of his life a few years later. <laughs> of many. Of many, yeah. Oh, dude, this is absurd. Like, he was the man. He was the man. Um, And I got a bunch of baseball jerseys, and that's one I don't have that I really want. Well, hopefully you'll get one day. I, we were talking about doing this topic. I was like, that's one of those jerseys. I want the old school Texas where it has, you know, but different conversation different day um, and he also of course that age he played multiple other various positions and then in uh, middle school he could throw a softball over 100 yards and after ninth grade he quit playing football after a talk, after a tackle and fumble caused by future NFL running back Norm Bullich Bullich B-U-L-A-I-C-H sorry if I butchered his name and he's like dude I got hit so hard I want to focus on baseball
2: yeah, which is smart, you know. Just quit football, go play baseball. I mean, that's what Ricky Henderson did after his mom said, "Hey, you got a long career in baseball. Don't do do, do baseball. Quit yeah. football.
1: No reason to get banged up. Exactly.
2: No reason to get CTE.
1: Don't do that." Um, yeah, I mean, he played for a guy, man named uh, Coach Jim Watson at Alvin High School for all his high school career. He he held the single game strikeout record for forty four years. Twenty one hitters in a seven inning game. <laughs> for those of you doing the math at home that's every hitter yeah but it doesn't say it was a perfect game so I wonder if he walked somebody or something that's a couple of errors mixed in that's what you're going to see in his career he walks a lot of guys as well he's well a power pitcher but also a lot of power pitchers struggle with control sometimes yeah so that might be a thing but the record was eventually tied by two different guys in the same week in 2009 <laughs> Aaron Stewart and Josh Land, and neither one of them, from what I'm seeing, that I've read, actually even made it, I'm sure they played college ball or something, but neither one of them became pro ball players. Yeah. And then in 1963, at an Alvin High School game and at Clear Creek High School in Lacey, Texas, Red Murph, a scout for the Mets, first noticed him as a sophomore. Um some opponents refused to bat against him and how hard his pitches would sometimes break bones in his catcher's hands. <laughs> and that's stupid man. yeah, you're throwing so hard you're breaking kids' hands trying to catch you. yeah And it, so he reported back to the Mets that and I quote the best arm I've seen in my life and they later drafted him. and as a senior in 65 he went nineteen and three. I'm wondering about he lost based on walks and tight ball games and things like that. A little clutch single or something. Just yeah. assuming. But he let it, they went to the finals. He pitched in 27 games with 20 starts. Had 12 complete games with 211 strikeouts and 61 walks. So the man's just a once-in-a-generation once kind of arm. He dominated Yeah. You know, him and Randy Johnson and guys like that. You just don't breed those dudes. No. Yeah. But I'll let you take it from here, Matt. Get into his minor league stuff. So,
2: that in 65, after he graduated from Alvin, he got drafted by the Mets in the 12th round of the 1965 Major League Draft. I believe, I to double check, but I believe that was the first Major League Draft, like first amateur draft in like Major League history. Because I don't think they did that before 65 or sometime
1: before the 60s. I was thinking about this yesterday. That would be a good topic for us to cover on the next episode. Yeah, the draft. The draft.
2: Yeah. And he was the two hundred ninety fifth overall pick of the draft. So of course he signed with the Mets, and they pick they put him in. Uh, they put him. How in,
1: many people missed on him to go that deep in the draft? Like go two sixty five. Like how many people missed on him? You know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there was,
1: but it's all speculation,
2: right? There were ten. Let's see, I think there was like twenty teams at the time because each league had ten teams. So like nineteen other teams missed on him, and the Mets were like, well, "Let's do it. Why not?" We, you know, this the Mets were still bad that at this time. So, they're like, we can get anybody to come play for us. Let's do it. Let's just draft some. Well,
1: the Mets are only good in Spurs. Right. You know. <laughs> we had a couple years here, a couple years there. We're going to miss management in the middle.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now, so they send him to Marion, Virginia. So, he played for the Marion Mets of the Appalachian League, which is no longer a minor league. It's now – summer collegiate league you now. <laughs> Major League Baseball demoted that. So he pitched for them, and he also pitched for the Mets team in the Florida Instructional League. That year, he went 6-9 and nine with a 4.33 ERA and 150 strikeouts in 120 innings. 66, he moves up to, you know, Greenville, South Carolina to play for the Greenville Mets of the Western
1: Carolinas League. So you put up a hell year,
2: 17-2? Yeah. <laughs> He he definitely improved between sixty five and sixty six. He got those first year in the year, first year as a pro player jitters out of the way, and he just dominated the Western Carolina. I League. think
1: that's about what my record is in the show right now playing video games, and this guy did it in real life.
2: Yeah, two hundred seventy two strikeouts and one hundred eighty three innings with the Greenville Mets, <clears throat> and then he got promoted that year to Double A for the Williamsport Mets of the Eastern League. So Williamsport, Pennsylvania, you know, same same places where the Little League World Series is, you know. And he didn't do great. He went 0 2 with a butt. The he... ERA was
1: right. 0.95 ERA?
2: So it must have been some bad breaks how he got those losses.
1: Yeah, man. Like, he was in a one run ballgame.
2: Yeah. And he struck out 35 batters in nineteen 1980s. Overall, in 1966, he struck out yeah 307 strikeouts in 202 minor league games in 1966. So he earned a late season call up to the New York Mets. And you know, so he got called up.
1: Yeah, he was the second youngest guy in the league at the time when he got called up. Yeah. Um he was, only played in two games. His first strikeout was a guy named Pat Jervis. And then yeah. gave up his first major league home run to a guy we all know all know. Uh, he's current rules commissioner, rules guy, Joe, Joe Torrey Joe Torre, yeah. World multiple World Series championships with the Yankees, as you yep. all know. Or at least I hope you know if you listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um that's kind of cool. Gave my first hit to Joe Torrey.
2: Yeah. September 11, 1966, was his first day in the majors. He pitched two innings against the Braves, gave up a hit, struck out three, walked one, got and run. So I guess that was from Torrey. So, you know, not bad. Not, not a bad start to your major league career. Trust me, there are a lot, over the years, there have been a lot worse starts in major league history that people have gone through.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so reading up on him. The 1967 season was kind of weird to me because mm-hmm. he missed. He was sick a little bit of the year. He yeah. had an arm injury, and um, I didn't realize he was in the Army Reserves.
2: Yeah, and so but he
1: only pitched seven innings for the Mets. My league that year.
2: Yep, the Jacksonville Suns in Triple A. That's well, Jacksonville's Triple A again, but they're called the Jumbo Trip now. But yeah, so he he was he pitched for Jacksonville Suns, but it was. But I didn't, I
1: didn't realize he had done army service. It Was kind of more the,
2: yeah. And the Mets weren't too thrilled that he was in army service.
1: Also, it was kind of right around the time where he drafts and things were a still thing. And right, and I'm he, not sure if that's how he wound up there. And the Vietnam War is going on at this time, obviously. And you can't just say no to that, right? I mean, he probably you go to jail, like Muhammad Ali did.
2: Yeah, and he's not going to do that. He's Nolan Ryan is a is an American. Well,
1: you know, he's a red blooded.
2: Patriotic guy. Patriotic. America first. He's going to serve his country. He's not going to protest it like a lot of people were doing in the 60s. But anyway, so 67 was not a great year. And he was in the minors, and he only pitched seven innings for the Jacksonville Suns. And he also started a game for the Winter Haven Mets in the Florida State League and pitched eight games in the Florida Central League for the Mets. So he had 54 strikeouts and 34 innings in 1967 and very minimal time because of his time in the Army Reserves and being injured and he was sick. You know, 67 was not a great year for Ryan in that sense for his baseball career. But 68, he got back to the major leagues. And he's you know, he kept, he stayed there until his retirement. We'll get to that later. So it's hard for him to crack the pitching rotation of the Mets because they had Tom Seaver. Tom terrific. Not Tom Brady, Tom Seaver. And they also had Jerry Kuzman who was very good as well. And it was just hard for him to break, you know, break that
1: lineup. Yeah. You know? Um, it's tough to jump in when we got one of the best pitchers of all time.
2: Yeah, Tom Siever. <laughs> now, Tom and but Tom and Nolan did become friends, you know. So they got that friendship out of it. And he thanked, you know, and later on he thanked Tom Seaver in his uh Induction speech well, to at the a young
1: age, it's got to be nice to have a guy like Tom Seaver in your corner pocket when you're yeah. coming up into the league. And this guy who has been here and doing it, and it is the man currently. Yeah, to group, kind of you know steer you along the path to be the man.
2: Right, and they were both yeah. in their twenties; they were young. And also, you know, a little, you know, a couple of months after Tom Seaver died, Nolan Ryan donated some money to the Hall of Fame in memory of Tom Seaver. And it was in the baseball, in the Baseball Hall of Fame's magazine, and I saw that and I was like, "Well, that's nice, you know."
1: Oh, did they put it on a magazine. Yeah, it was. Is that something you can subscribe to?
2: Yeah, like it, well, if you're if you're a member of the Hall of Fame, like you donate part of the membership, you get a you get a magazine. It's
1: I wish like it, a, it's like a monthly thing, a quarterly it's thing, a quarterly thing, like you know, fall, fall, spring, winter, summer, you know. I'm about to sign up for that when we move and get that new address.
2: Yeah, it's called Memories and Dreams. I like
1: I would like to get that.
2: Yeah. So, but, you know, it was hard for him to crack that starting lineup, And also, you know, was trying to get a reliever, too, because they also had Tug McGraw on the team, who was a great closer back in the day. You know, Mr. You Gotta Believe, which that's later on, and all that. Uh, Tim that's Ma-
1: a big motto for the Mets fans now, still. You gotta believe. Yeah, Tim McGraw. They, they live by
2: it. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Like, I follow a Bar store Sports, and there's a guy at KFC, and – they got they got a podcast called You Gotta yeah. Believe.
2: It. Yeah. So Gil Hodges, who was the manager of the Mets at the time, and we've already talked about him in this podcast, they basically used Ryan as a reliever and a spot starter in the you know in most of his career. And he got a lot of blisters on his throwing hand because he just threw hard and
1: he used to struggle with that, man. Right here on my my middle finger. I used yeah. to deal with that, man.
2: Yeah. Just. And so you know, and he, to deal with this, he soaked his hand. Sorry, he soaked his fingers in pickle brine. Although the technique's effectiveness was questioned by Ryan's teammates and coaches, but it's like, hey, you know what? Look you know, at
1: his numbers; you can't question nothing,
2: right? You know, or people like you know, trying to like you know, Sandy Koufax or other or other um, um, players' arm like other pitchers, like they put arm in ice water and stuff like that, or put extreme heat on it. You know, players are superstitious in that way,
1: you know? Dude, when I was playing ball, right sock, left sock, left shoe, right shoe. I how I put my socks on, man. So players are weird. Yeah.
2: Just I, how I still are.
1: do it today in the damn minute that I'm playing in.
2: Yeah. So... Do what yeah. works for you. Yeah. So 69 Mets make the miracle Mets, man. They make the playoffs. And Ryan pitched well. Ryan pitched well. So they played the Braves in the NLCS. And... He threw seven innings of relief against the
1: Braves in Game 3, getting his first playoff win.
2: And then in but the then World... He, he,
1: yeah. Well, we'll get to it, but it took him a long time to get another playoff win.
2: Yeah. And then in the World Series, he saved Game 3 pitching two, two, one, two, two, and, a third inning, two and a third shot innings against the Orioles. And the Game 3 victory gave the Mets the lead in the series. And so this was his Ryan's only... World Series appearance and he got a ring being a part of the Miracle Mets.
1: I hate it because there's so many ball players deserve a ring and don't get it. Right, like Ernie Banks. Yes. Um, 100%. That's a great example of it. Yeah. But I'm glad he got one in his one appearance. Right, you know. Because my man pitched good enough to deserve 20 20. World Series appearances. The thing is,
2: Ernie Banks never made it to the World Series. Ted Williams made the World Series once and he didn't get a World Series ring. He lost him. You know, in the forty six series, so he all, that was his bigger guy. He's never won a World Series.
1: There's no so gold many gold. guys that deserve a ring, right? But they were not on the right team at the right time, man. And
2: Nolan Ryan was on the right and you team. have to
1: put all the puzzle pieces together to get it, and it's right. awesome, man. No, like, Nolan Ryan was on the right team at the right time. Yeah, you know, and it sucks that it was his one shot.
2: Yeah, and so April 8th, so 1970 on April 18th, Ryan tied a Mets record by striking out 15 batters in game. And then four days later, Seaver topped that with a then-record 19 strikeouts against the Padres. But Ryan tied the record four years later when he was with the Angels. But we'll get to that later. And like I said, you know, it, Ryan credited his time with Seaver and the Mets with turning him from just a flamethrower thrower into a pitcher. But, There's a the
1: difference between throwing hard and pitching.
2: Right. It took him some time. And like,
1: when I was in high school, I threw hard. Yeah. When I got to college, I had to learn how to pitch because everybody I was playing against could hit hard throwing. Right. I had to learn how to mix it up and give them a little razzle and dazzle.
2: You know? Right. But that's how you
1: stay successful in baseball. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. adapt.
2: You, you adapt. You yeah. adapt and you learn how to throw different pitches and you. you mix a
1: slider in every now and then. The fastball is not going to do it anymore. All right. Yeah. It's like in high school, the fastball did it. I had a mediocre changeup and a bullcrap curveball.
2: But, but in college,
1: work. I had to refine on it. Right.
2: And, you know, eventually you got to it, you know. And, of course, his... um, And, of course, the next year, in 71, his performance declined in the second half of the 71 season, which was his final season with the Mets. So, in the first half of the season, his ERA was 2.24. The second half, it was 7.74. And as of last year, this was the steepest second-half increase in ERA for a starting pitcher in MLB history. But the thing is, it's like... It says that Ryan did not want to be traded for the Mets, but the Mets traded him after the season to the uh, California Angels. But the thing is, it's like looking back, and I've Ooh. I've heard I you know I've watched interviews that Don Ryan did. He didn't really him and his wife Ruth, who he married in 1967, so, which we forgot to mention. They didn't really like New York that much.
1: I play it's a tough town to play ball man. Like I feel but, bad because that New York media is so harsh.
2: It really is you know, if, and it'll eat you alive if you, if you do something bad. If you allow it
1: to. Right. The thing is, like, especially now on like, the social media, if he was playing when it was just the newspaper and you get the newspaper on your doorstep every day and it's like, yeah, second page sports, man. Nolan Ryan yeah. sucks yesterday, you know?
2: Yeah. It said, so he said it didn't want to be traded to the Mets and he felt betrayed when it, they, he felt betrayed that the Mets did this to him. But it's like, you know, you're basically you're basically in Gil Hodges' doghouse in the '71 season because your ERA went so bad, so south that they and you know in five seasons he had a 29 38 record with the Mets with a 3.58 ERA, um, a 1.39 WHIP, WHIP, and he had 493 strikeouts to 344 walks in eleven in 511 innings, so it's like. You know, he showed some promise. But again, it's hard to break that starting lineup, starting rotation. You know, you're trying to find a place
1: for you. And at least. And it's a tough pitching step at the time.
2: And it's just tough. You know, it's hard to beat Nolan Ryan and Jerry Kuzman.
1: Yeah. It's like the guy a guy I played ball with, um, Brody Lieber and his dad was Charlie Liebrand the pitched for the Braves. Yes, yeah. I remember. He's Maddie's <laughs> glad in Smokes. And I'll never forget when I was playing ball at Columbus. They were doing the prime nine that they used to do on the MLB network of the best nine to ever play ever position. Yeah. And then we were watching it in the clubhouse before our game one day and, or before practice something. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Manish Bama's supposed to not care about this other guy's name. I can't remember his name. And Brody's over in the corner. That's my dad. That's Charlie. <laughs> they're talking about my dad, Charlie. Phenomenal man. Yeah. Awesome man. But um, and like, oh, and this guy eventually gets to goes. Oh, yeah, Charlie Lebrand, thats the guy. So that's the kind of spot he was in, right? there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's hard. Sometimes it's just hard to crack. You know, in. man,
1: it, it's tough to compete with Madison Bumgarner when you're a fourth man.
2: But uh, yeah. same
1: thing for like guys like Jeff Blauser, You know? Yeah.
2: But you know, you make the yeah. the leaster is still in the majors. They hadn't sent you
1: back down to the minors at this oh, point. Oh, you're a member of the best pitching staff in the entire history of baseball. Right. right there, you know? You're,
2: but, you're becoming a great pitcher. Yes. Yeah, so on December tenth of seventy one, they traded him to the Angels for Jim Fregosi, who was a shortstop, and he was a decent good, pretty good player. He also was a manager. And the funny thing is, later in Nolan's career at Anaheim, Fregosi managed him. <laughs> 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 and he also man- and later on he managed the Phillies in ninety three when they won the pennant.
1: So I feel like that happens more often than we um acknowledge it. What? Just, Guys, that that same transaction of we're yeah. competing for spots, and I end up being a manager. Yeah, because right, because like catchers, first basemen end up always being the damn managers. Yeah, it seems like
2: now at the time, this was not viewed. This was viewed as a, a good trade because Ryan, honestly, his at his career at that point was unremarkable, and for he had a good career. You know, shortstop, he's a good solid player. So at the time most people thought that it, this was a good trade but later on as time goes on and as Nolan's career really took off as we were going to see you know coming up in this in this in this uh, podcast this has been viewed as a terrible trade some people think it's just the worst trade in Mets history but at the time it wasn't it wasn't viewed that 50 years ago it was like well we got this unremarkable player and we need a shortstop and the Angels have a pretty good shortstop let's trade him let's do it you know so but Get, getting traded to the Angels was the best. Honestly, was probably the best thing that
1: ever happened to Nolan Ryan's career at that point. Like, I got him out uh, of a stale team that wasn't really going to do too much.
2: Right? You know, you. You know, when he in the seventy-two, he's given a chance to pitch regularly as a starter for the first time, mainly because by then he had fulfilled his military obligation and no longer had to commute from Houston to work. At, commute to Houston every other week, so even like in sixty-seven. Like, even throughout his career at the Mets, even past 67, he still had the military obligation as well. So he's doing that, and, you know, he had to go to Houston because, you know, Alvin's close to Houston. He's from Texas. He lived in Texas in the offseason. He still lives in Texas. You know, so he's got to, like, back and forth from New York or wherever to Houston to fulfill this obligation. But after that's done, he has a better chance to have his career take off and be a starting pitcher in a starting rotation. You know, this was the best thing to happen in all uh, It
1: really It really says career Go right.
2: for it. So, that year he led the league in 329 strikeouts. Nearly a third more than the American League runner-up. And to that point, the fourth highest total in the 20th century. Not a lot of pitchers can throw, excuse me, 300 strikeouts in a season. Obviously, Sandy Koufax has done it. Ruben Waddell has done it. You know. It's tough to throw I think was it Scherzer or Kershaw that threw three hundred. Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe you can was, flip
1: a coin and it might be both. Yeah. Be or Verlander fun. or
2: somebody, yeah. You know. But this is where he took off, man.
1: He you know, he I'm so amazed at those guys, man, because I tried so hard to be a pitcher those guys are just like yeah. it's effortless for them at the major league level. And so it's like
2: his ah. ERA was at the at seventy two was two point two eight. Which was the second lowest in franchise history, it, Angels franchise history. Dean Chance had the record has, the, or maybe still does, has the record for uh, low ERA with one point six five in nineteen sixty
1: four. So you know, and your team's not going to score three runs every night, but if you're two point six, right, they got a damn chance to win a lot of damn ball games. Yeah,
2: I mean, and he went nineteen and sixteen. Uh, for the season in 1972 for the Angels, right? And, you know, you have to understand, the Angels, they weren't that good of a team in the 70s. I felt bad for Nolan Ryan, honestly, in hit the 70s. Like, like he did great, but, man, he just, you know, it's just hard to win games with the Angels. But, you know, he went 21-16. And sent, That's kind oh, of like
1: Bryce Harper winning with the Nationals. Like, we're right. going to be good. We're going to have a chance at it, but we're never going to be able to see it yet.
2: But in all 72, uh, Nolan Ryan got nip, went to the All-Star game for the first time. So that's also a plus. But 73, 73 is where he really breaks out. This is where he really shines. This is where everybody's like, oh man.
1: This is where his career really started. Re-
2: really started. Right?
1: Like nobody remembers the stuff we just talked about. They yeah. remember from right now forward. No.
2: I mean, so, he set the record. He broke Sandy Koufax's old mark of strikeouts in the season. Koufax had 382. Ryan broke it in 73 with 383. I believe he still holds the record. And, you know, (laughs) And he threw two no-hitters in 1973, the first two of his career, right? And the second one, the, the second no-hitter in 73 was on July 15th against the Tigers. He struck out 17 batters. And this was the game where this is a funny moment. The Tigers' first baseman, Norm Norm Cash, he came to the plate in the ninth, bottom of the ninth inning, two outs. He comes up with not his bat, but a a table leg from from one of the clubhouse tables as a bat. He, as like, because he knew he couldn't hit Nolan Ryan with his actual bat, he just decided to go get a table leg and try to hit with that. And Ron Luciano, who was the ump at the time, was like, no, go get a bat. And, and Cash said, why? I won't hit him anyway. You know, might as well just try to hit him with the – him with the table leg if I can't hit with the bat, you
1: know. <laughs> me being me being a pitcher, that is the highest compliment you can give to a pitcher. Yeah, it really like, come up there with a tennis racket with no strings in it, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that. That's incredible.
2: It was a funny moment, you know. And man, he was. You know, and he, like I said, he just dominated. Was 73 was his breakout season, well, I mean, tw- I guess 72 was, but 73 was the real year there. It's like, wow, this Nolan Ryan guy's really good. Like, those 329 strikeouts in 72 was not a one year thing. This is like, he, he did better. He got better in 73. You know, Nolan Ryan's career,
1: he really kind of aged like a fine wine. We're getting into more of it, man. he, yeah, he aged very well.
2: He just, you know, he got better. He got each better as as this,
1: as his career progressed, you know? You know, what I'm talking about like a, a lot of football play, players think like, oh, he's in his prime right now. He's out of his prime right now. Yeah. I'm not sure Nolan Ryan really had a prime until the end of his career. I think he kind of, his prime progressed with him. Right. I mean, even like Albert Pujols' career declined. I'm so stoked he's in the home under. That's great. As, I'm so stoked. That's the night. He's yeah. not going to win it.
2: Well, at least he's in there. It's like, hey, well, you know, it's your last year. You've hit home runs. You have over 600 home runs. Let's get you in Home Run Derby just for – because it's going to get ratings. It's going to get people to watch, you know. They'll probably sell out the Home Run Derby.
1: Yeah.
2: So the next- I'm so
1: glad he's back, coming back in the Cardinals uniform, too, as a Cardinals fan. Yeah. Because for knows you all at home, not, I haven't figured it out. I'm a Cardinals fan, but the Braves are in our me and Matthew's home market, and that's what I get to see on cable television. Yeah. And so so I, got, I got two teams,
2: and then seventy four, he threw he threw a third no hitter in seventy four, and he also this is wild on June fourteenth, nineteen seventy four, he pitched thirteen innings against the Boston Red Sox. He threw two hundred thirty five pitches, struck out nineteen guys, walked ten, and he got no decision. That sucks. <laughs> That's a bad look right there. <laughs> I mean, you you throw that much, and you don't get a, you don't get a win or a loss, which I guess getting those decisions better than a loss, but still, it's like damn, you couldn't get any run support in those thirteen innings. <laughs> but man, if 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 pitching coaches saw if today's pitching coaches saw that it's a pitcher threw two hundred thirty five pitches, they would have a heart attack.
1: Oh, dude, Q V low. Guy I played for him. He was drafted by the Cubs. Yeah. The guy, the guy was my manager at AUM, mm-hmm. Auburn Montgomery. For those of y'all that aren't familiar, that's a little sister school of Auburn University. Yep, warrior. But um,
0: did he threw a guy out. He put a guy out
1: there on on my, my senior year for two hundred and twenty pitches or something like. that? I mean, I went 200. It was like 160, 150. Like, I mean, he, he just hung my man out there. I can't remember the pitch count, but it was absurd. It was over 100. It was oh, it was way over 100. It was like 100, 160. The man was effective, wildly effective. Man, he was a jump baller. Yeah. So it's not like he was throwing, but it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, that's just wild. And then the man had Tommy John. We wonder why. Yeah, that's
2: probably why. And, of course, you know, Nolan Ryan... Became the first major league pitcher to have his pitch speed measured during a game with the primitive radar gun at the time. It clocked, it clocked one of his fastballs at night, and he has 100.8 miles per hour. And you know, when it was, and this was it was when it was ten feet in front of home plate. And this exceeded an earlier pitch by Bob Feller, which he didn't do during a game. He just did it, you know, just to throw it one day. And Feller threw it at 98.6 miles an hour. So, Ryan's got the heat. Everybody knows he's got the heat. And then 75, he threw his fourth no-hitter, a he tied Sandy Koufax's record for most no-hitters in a career. And 74, going back to 74, he also struck out 19 batters, a tied Tom Seaver, and Steve Carlton as well for the single-game record for a nine-game game for strikeouts. And, of course, Roger Clemens beat that in 86 with 20. So, as we said before, Ryan is, Nolan Ryan has played on these California Angels teams of the 1970s. They were called the California Angels
1: back then. They're not the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever. Oh, the Los Angeles Anaheims of Stockton or whatever yeah. we want to call them. You know, man, like, <laughs> they tried to move... That's the-, the most ridiculous crap that any team has ever done. Like, hey, we're going to put three cities in our name so that we can try and attract fans. Right. I hate it.
2: You think anybody's going to drive down from L.A. to go see an Angels game? If they got the Dodgers, no. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, they lost two years. <laughs> yeah. So these Angels teams were bad, and so in 1976, this is O'Ryan's Ryan's win loss record. He's won. He won 17 games, and he lost 18 games. He led the league in losses. You know, and I felt so. I mean, these times where you had have to scream. It's like I feel bad for you because you just don't get the runs. You do. That's
1: the thing, man. I've been on teams like that where I don't get no run support. And it's yeah. just like, I could throw up a. I could get up two runs and yeah. I'm still going to lose. It's like you can't hit. It's like the Braves this season. Like Sam Strider and Kyle Wright and all these
2: guys, they pitch great. But the Braves can't. They don't do crap scoring wise. Dude, Kyle Wright
1: will really pay a strike this year. I'm very happy for him. Me too. Well, the hustle guy. Well, Buckhorn guy. But so, yeah. uh, my cousin, Jimmy. <laughs> Okay. Jimmy Hanson. Jimmy Hanson, yeah. His wife is Kyle Wright's cousin. Really? Yes. And um, Roger Wright's a phenomenal man, also. Um, cool. But cool. Kyle Wright, that outing he had last year in the World Series, where he came in and shut him down out of the fucking bullpen. Yeah. I'm sorry for swearing, y'all. But he, um, I think that really restarted his career. It gave him the confidence that man needed to be a great baseball pitcher.
2: Yeah. So, because he's looking good this year. Right, so in most of the time in the Angels, they just were not very good, and they had to deal with terrible ones before. Yeah, man, it's tough. But in his last year in California, they make the playoffs. They win the AL West, but then they got to play the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles, which that was the American League team in the 70s because they were so good. From 70 to 79, they were very, very good. So A
1: lot different than what we know now.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah now, now they're terrible. Uh, they they're having the best year they've had in decade and a half right now. Yeah.
2: So Nolan Ryan pitched Game One the LCS against Jim Palmer. He threw seven innings, but they neither neither pitcher got the win because Baltimore won the tenth. I guess with we yeah. But and the the Angels got eliminated four, so I guess they lost four straight. That was the playoffs.
1: Yeah. He was scheduled to pitch game five and maybe keep him alive. Yeah. So they got swept.
2: And so. And after, he was a
1: free agent after that.
2: So after the yeah, yeah after the season, he became a free agent.
1: But he led the American League in strikeouts seven times in his eight seasons with the Angels. Yeah. But he also led the league in walks in six those seven years. That
2: was also his Achilles heel. Not good run support walks.
1: I throw hard. I throw a pulse.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll strike you out. I throw balls. Yeah. Plate discipline is what really hurt him in those few years.
2: So, other than Bob Feller, Ryan is the only pitcher since
1: 1900 to walk 200
2: batters in a season, which he did twice in '74 and '77. And so, and when he pitched a no hitter against the Twins in '74,
1: two hundred guys is a lot. That's a lot. That's a that's a crap ton, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's also not going to help you win ball games. But he did it twice! But yeah, he did it twice. <laughs> That's hard that sort to of do. You know. but, but he threw a no-hitter
1: against the Twins in 1974, and he walked eight.
2: Yeah, he walked eight guys. But the Angels' general manager, Buzzy Babasi, who was a long-time Dodgers, I think Padres' general manager as well, uh, you know, he just... He just didn't He did win over the general manager at the time. and It was just like, you know what? I don't care this guy. I mean, I don't know how Gene Autry felt about Nolan Ryan because he owned the team. He owned the Angels at the time. But, you know, yeah. Buzzy he was not thrilled. He's like, I don't really care. No. I don't really want to keep you.
1: He, he, he's, he literally said, like, you're a flashy 500 pitcher. Right. And
2: here's and the – Oh, sorry.
1: It's the eighth season with the Angels which I didn't realize he was an angel for eight seasons. I thought he was only there for a couple of years until oh. I started researching for this. No, yeah, I was eight. But he went one thirty one, 138-121 with a three hundred seven ERA, which ain't the greatest, but it's not bad. Right. A 129 whip, which for those of y'all who don't know what that means, walks plus hits per inning pitch. And um, 1,302 walks and 2,460 strikeouts. So like, I'm either going to walk you, I'm going to strike you out, or you're probably not going to get a hit. Like, it's just banana land.
2: Yeah. Uh you know, and then so here's the here's the best part.
1: Here's what Go
2: ahead. He becomes a free agent and he signs he's the first million dollar player.
1: And this is where he made his money is with this contract. Right. But guess he really reeled it in with the damn Houston Astros.
2: Four year contract worth four point five million in nineteen Seventy nine dollars. Which
1: that's just jump change now. Yeah,
2: that's sixteen point eight million. Yeah, November
1: nineteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Man, it's it's equivalent to sixteen point eight now, and that's still ass compared to what guys are getting paid now.
2: But this is great for Ryan because he's playing in Houston. Houston's close to Alvin. He's a hometown boy. Hometown boy and a hometown team. And the Astros in the eighties were pretty good. They made the playoffs in his first year, but let's. But, you know, he he hit a three-run home run in, on April 12, 1980 against Fall of Famer and former Braves announcer Don Sutton. Right. And this was one of his first of two home runs in his career. You know, back when pitchers
1: could hit. Now they can't anymore. I hate it. Okay. But that's a different conversation. Right. We've, we'll have that. Right. But different conversation.
2: So Ryan got a three-run home run. You know, I mean, that's how he started his career with
1: the Astros.
2: Okay. On a nationally televised game.
1: And then July 4th of that season, he um, struck out Cesar Geronimo. Yep. For his 3,000 strikeout. Um, against the Reds. And the same guy, which is funny. The same guy was Bob Gibson's 300 strikeout. <laughs> 3,000 yeah. strikeout.
2: But they, the Astros make the playoffs. They win the... American League, no, sorry, sorry, National League West. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, Astros were in the National League back then, <laughs> and he pitched in Game Two, but said that are they playing the Phillies? A very good Phillies team with Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton, all those guys. The Phillies when they were the when they Phillies. were great, yeah, when they were you know just kicking everybody's butt. He pitched well in game two, but he left after seven innings and went the game tied two and two. And he contributed to both Astros runs with a run scored following the walk and a sacrifice bunt lead to a run. But he got the no decision because him the, the extra innings.
1: Dude, the man's just a gamer.
2: Yeah. I'm here to compete. That's they the good. They go the series goes to five games, which at the time that's I guess the best of five. Ryan and the Strohs held a five-two lead there in the eighth inning, but then Ryan allowed three consecutive singles before walking in the third run. Houston's bullpen allowed the Phillies to take a 7-5 lead, and only a game-time Astro rally permitted Ryan to escape the loss. So they lost lost a tough five games, hard-fought five games to the Phillies, which went on to win the World Series that year against the George Brett-led Kansas City Royals in six games, which was the Phillies' first-ever World Series win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the next year, Ryan threw his fifth no-hitter on September 26, 1981, breaking Sandy Kovacs' record. And he became the third pitcher to throw a no-hitter in each league. And he led the National League in ERA with 1.69 that season. And so once again, Astros make the playoffs. And of course, this is the short, the short, sh- sorry, the short strike shortened season of 1981, as we discussed in previous episodes. They're in the NLDS against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ryan threw a complete-game two-hitter against uh, podcast subject Fernando Valenzuela. Yeah, and,
1: um, if y'all haven't heard our podcast, uh, what, came out three weeks ago about Fernando, go back and listen to that one.
2: Yeah, and this was Ryan's second and last career postseason win. And in the fifth and final game of the series, he left trailing 3-0 and took the loss. So they lost to the eventual champion 81 Dodgers. Yeah, but again, you're facing Fernando
1: Valenzuela, Steve Garvey, Dodgers. It's hard to. If I'm gonna get put out, or I'm gonna get put out by the people that win it all.
2: Right. You know, it's better than. I
1: don't want to get put out by the people that get put out next. Yeah. If I'm gonna get put out, I want to get put out by the people that win it all.
2: And so, you know, fast forward to '83 on April 27, 1983, which would have been my granddaddy's 54th birthday. Uh, Nolan Ryan. <laughs> Broke Walter Johnson's all-time career strikeout record. Walter had the total with three thousand five hundred eight, and Ryan broke it with three thousand. It's three thousand five hundred ninth strikeout against Brad Mills of the Montreal Expos, and then of course Steve Carlton tied and broke it. You know later on that season, and and also Gaylord Perry also in the Hall of Fame, he broke it. I mean, he, he passed Johnson as well. And then in 85, Ryan, on July 5th, 1985, Nolan Ryan struck out Danny Heap for his 4,000 career strikeout, which I believe he, yeah, the first pitcher to strike out 4,000 batters. You know, I mean, he had nowhere to go but up after that, you know. <laughs>
1: You're the man. Keep
2: being the man. He keeps being the man, man. And so, you know, in 86 – Astros won the NL... I mean, Astros won the NL West, and they're in the NLCS against the Mets. The Dwight Duck Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Keith Fernandez Mets. Oh, Gary Carter, too. And Ryan did not pitch very well in Game 2. He took the loss. And they returned in Game 5, threw nine innings two hits, one run, 12 strikeout ball. But one of those hits was a Daryl Strawberry home run, which type the game. And then Dwight Gooden matched Ryan pitch for pitch. And you know, Ryan got no decision and lost, in, the Astros lost 12 innings to the 86 Mets. Which again, it's hard to beat the Dwight Good and Daryl Strawberry keeping in his Gary Carter Mets. You know? The Cokehead Yankees. Yeah, they, yeah. You
1: know what I mean? like I hate, I hate, I like the them. the Cokehead Yankees. But,
2: yeah. And so, those guys were good. So, 87.
1: And, there's a, 87 he dominated. He dominated. What? he was, he two learned. seven sixty RA struck out two hundred and seventy in a season,
2: and he was forty. That's unheard of now. And right. he's forty years old. He's forty years old. Forty years old. You're not in the league anymore. But they were the Astros were terrible that season, and he finished with an eight and sixteen record because just like he just no like it was, run support. Yeah, just like it was with the Angels. It's like the Angels all over again. My they, man,
1: my man, my man couldn't buy a damn run to support his ass.
2: Right. The Astros scored only 27 runs in his 16 losses, an average of 1.69 runs per
1: game. And he, so If you're giving up two two runs a game as a pitcher, I think you're set. If you're giving he, up three, you're pushing it, giving up four, you're kind of mediocre. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's just the fact you're not getting run support, man. And,
2: right. he, and he finished the season in fifth place in the Cy Young voting. And you know who won the Cy Young in 1987? Philadelphia Phillies reliever Steve Bedrosian. Bedros- excuse me.
1: Got a reliever winning a Cy Young. That right. means it's a bad year for pitching.
2: So there's a great video on, I guess the channel's called Baseball Historian, about why Nolan Ryan never won a Cy Young award in his career. And it highlights three different seasons of, like, he pitched great, but he got outshone by various factors. They mentioned 87, right? And they mention his great stats, and of course, I think he led WHIP as well, and some other, you know, mind-boggling uh, uh, statistics as well, strikeouts, ERA. But you know, it made the case that this was probably his best case. But back then, people viewed wins and losses more than they do now when it comes to voting. So they saw that he, they didn't matter if you he led... Want your results. Didn't matter if you let all major leagues and ERA eight strikeouts. They saw the 860 records. Like we can't give you Cy Young. They'll give it to the. We'll give it to a reliever. We'll give it to Brodosh. Excuse me. I can't talk. So if you ever want to see that video, go check it out on YouTube because it's really fascinating. It
1: really. I talked down about through. the time where steroids started becoming a thing, and hitters were becoming more dominant. Yeah. Because you know, like baseball during the nineties, which that's how it drew me to baseball was—the damn juiced guys just jacking home runs that were landed on Waveland Avenue in Chicago, you know? Yeah. But, it's kind of well, what I'm doing because his a hell pitcher. Had a bad year, but everybody else did too. Yeah.
2: But, as a positive, Ryan hit his second and last career home run in a 12-3 win against the Braves on May 1st, 1, 1987. So, that's another positive. I mean, the negative was, well, he had a losing record, but, you know, he did pretty well, than that. If you're not getting support,
1: man, it's, it's tough to... Yeah.
2: And so, in nine seasons with the Astros, he complied a 106 win-loss record and 282 starts with a 3.13RA, 1.20 whip, with 796 walks and 1,866
1: strikeouts and 1,854 innings. And now,
2: in 1989, so he had a contract dispute with Houston.
1: Dude, imagine a guy having a contract dispute at the age of 42 years old and signing with a different team. Because right. we're, he's about to sign with the Texas Rangers right here.
2: So he's still in Texas.
1: Imagine a, being 42 and having a contract dispute in baseball today. That's not a thing that happens. Right. I mean, you
2: think Albert Pujols is going to do that?
1: <laughs> well, Albert Pujols is name, really every Sunday. Right. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Hence his... Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Hence his we got to make sure it does say allegedly. Allegedly stuff like that and
2: the best part is he played he became the first player to play on all four MLB original expansion teams I mean that was his whole career he just played on expansion teams he never played on a one of the original 16 teams you know and he's a winner right and the best part is like he he, he ended his career in Texas so in 89 he just kept going I mean you know he's 42 but he just kept going he kept doing his thing he kept being nolan ryan you know and uh, he went sixteen and ten for the Rangers. He led the league with three hundred one strikeouts at forty two years old. Three hundred one strikeouts, right? And he struck out. And so in this, in eighty nine, August twenty second, he struck out Ricky, as we talked about in the Ricky Henderson episode. He struck him out to make himself the only pitcher to went to record five thousand strikeouts in a career. And, of course, as we talked about, Henderson was like, hey, if he ain't struck you out, then you ain't nobody, you know. <laughs> and he just, you know.
1: Dude, Hall of Famers are like, yeah,
2: couldn't hit him. No, he just couldn't hit him. 1990, next season, he threw a six no no-hitter on June 11th against the A's. And he earned his 300th career win that season on July 31st against the Milwaukee Brewers. And then 1991, May 1st, as we all remember, at age 44, Nolan Ryan threw his seventh career no-hitter against the Blue Jays. And he struck out Hall of Famer Roberto Alomar as the final out. Right? I mean, he just kept chugging. He kept out
1: guys like Robbie Alomar. They like to be an episode himself. Right, you know. And like, you're striking him out to end a no-hitter. That guy, what, he did, probably like about 270 for his career? Yeah, I mean, I something like that. Yeah a great you know, like, defensive uh, player, you know. Phenomenal, man. He was yeah. he was one of those icons in the nineties, where we, back back when um on Saturdays so you'd watch Fox yeah. and they'd have This Weekend Baseball. Yeah. He was one of those guys who was constantly out there making plays.
2: Right. Yeah, he just kept doing his thing. And then so in the next season '92, he had his only career ejection. He was ejected after a game. Only once. Only once. <laughs> That's he was, in, he was ejected after engaging in a shouting match with Oakland's outfielder Willie Wilson with two outs in the eighth inning.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a trash ejection to me. Yeah.
2: And so, and of course, he continued his ordinary ways in the next season, 93, which he announced before the season that he would retire after the season. But on August 4th, you know, the infamous Robert Ventura
1: moment, right, Oh, that's the moment! Like, so Ryan, like,
2: Ryan hit Robin with the pitch.
1: So yeah, and he acted like he was walking the first. Chucked the helmet, Chucked the bat, ran at him. Um, <laughs> before Before Matthew came over to, to the studio tonight, I um, showed that to my girlfriend, and she's like, "Hell yeah!" Because we like going to hockey games and watching hockey fights. So like this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know? <laughs> she likes it when sports get physical. Yeah, and um. Finished the game, game with Bud on his jersey.
2: Yep. And he he had he had matured in that headlock and just kicked his ass. And
1: also he, on also on eBay, there's an autographed picture from Noah Ryan that says, "I whooped his ass." Yeah. It's on sale right now for three hundred and seventy-five dollars. Um, first player.
2: Yeah. And like which he did, <laughs> and the best part was when after the incident. Ryan stated that it was the same, the headlock was the same maneuver he used on steers he had to brand on his Texas ranch. <laughs> uh, and of course, Ventura got
1: ejected, but Ryan stayed in the game. Why? Because you know, Ryan just to his ground. Yeah. I mean, he, I believe. today was, Today's baseball is so yeah. soft, they'd both be out of here and they'd both be suspended for seven games. And but
2: because of that, White Sox manager Gene Lamont vehemently argued that. That you know Ryan should be ejected as well, but then he the Lamont got ejected. And he pitched Hitler's ball the rest of the game. I mean he he pitched the whole game. And you know, he determined Well, apparently he he had been determined to be more aggressive after coming out of the wrong side of an altercation with Ding Winfield in 1980. But now that 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 makes me interesting. He's like, okay, well, but also, you know, Texans are known to have, like, I guess, somewhat of a temper. Maybe not, but, like, just be aggressive. People because hey, we're from Texas, you know. Texas. For
1: lack of a better term, I don't think they're going to take nothing off of nobody. Right. They ain't taking your shit.
2: That's what Texans do. They don't take shit from anybody. Yep. And unfortunately, near the end of the season, on September twenty second, ninety three, his arm, his poor arm finally gave out. He tore a ligament in his arm and it ended his career. Two starts earlier than he planned at age forty six. And he briefly attempted to pitch past the injury and threw one additional pitch after tearing his ligament. With his injured arm, his final pitch was measured at ninety eight miles an hour. Lyon's last start was his career worst. <laughs> he allowed a single four I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but he allowed a single, four walks and a grand slam on top of first without recording out. It was his second recorded it was his record saying tenth grand slam given up of his career. But again, when you pitch as long as Noel Ryan and face so many batters like Noel Ryan, it was going to happen, you know.
1: Two. he owns 51 MLB records. Yeah. And I reckon I can run through those real fast. Yeah. Strikeouts, 5,714. Mm-hmm. 215 double hundred fifteen double-digit strikeouts. 7 no hitters. 12 one hitters tied with Bob Miller. 18 two hitters. 31 three hitters. 15 200 strikeout seasons 6 300 strikeout seasons 6.55 career hits per 9 innings pretty solid Yeah, um, 5.26 single season hits per 9 1962. Uh lowest batting average allowed career minimum 1500, 1500 innings point two zero 26 seasons least 1 win 2,700 career walks i he owns the record for walks he's walked more than anybody but um, 10 grand slimmans. he's allowed, he's tied on that one, 757 career solo bases off. And that's what I've got pulled up in front of me. But there's, that's what, 12 of the 51 records he holds. Some of them are good, some of them are crap. <laughs> yeah. And he,
2: he was the last, he was the final active player from the 60s to retire from Major League Baseball outlasting Hall of Famer Carlton Fisk by three months. And five seasons with the Rangers, he had a 51 39 record with a 3.43 ERA, 1.12 whip, with 353 walks and 939 strikeouts in 840 innings, over 129 career starts. I mean, the man just, he was dominant for a good long time. You know, he got better as he aged, he became a better pitcher as he got older. And he just kept doing his thing until his arm finally gave out. And honestly, you know, <laughs> if your arm gives out in your career after 27 seasons, you know, that's, that's better than having to give out after like one or two seasons. Not a lot of pitchers can throw that many, throw that many seasons before their arm finally gives out. It's tough, man. It, you can't do it. It's hard to do it. He,
1: especially back in that day, man, I don't know how those guys did it. Especially people like him, like Babe Ruth, did a diet of hot dogs and yeah, rubber bands, do his workout, man. And but like back in that time period when he was pitching, I was, I don't get it. Yeah, there's so much extra stuff that guys our age did playing baseball mm-hmm. that made us healthy. Well, after he retired, man, he um. He's done a couple Ceremonial pitches Which is Irrelevant But He's the owner Of Ryan Center Sports and Entertainment Which is They run On the Round Rock Express Their house right over here Yep Triple A team Of the Texas Rangers One of the coolest Stations I've been to I want to
2: go sometime Because it's right outside Of Austin
1: Yeah I uh, went on a Job interview out in Austin Thanks. And um That's cool They flew me out And then yeah. Wine and mine me and dine me and pretty much six nine me you know, and it was, <laughs> it was a phenomenal it was a phenomenal trip, but that yeah. wound up not paying out the way He's also written like hope. six
2: books after his retirement, including yeah. his
1: autobiography, Miracle Man. Um He's a majority owner and chairman of Express Bank of Alvin, but he sold that in two thousand five. He owns a couple restaurants, which terrible investments. Restaurants are trash investments. Yeah because um, like eighty percent of restaurants fail. it's sad, isn't it? Man, yeah, man, it sucks. It's gonna be a sad
2: day when, if Bomb hours ever closes, man. That'd be a sad day. Well, anyway, eh,
1: I got mixed, I got mixed opinions about Bomb hours. That's
2: fine. And appear it's ta- a Huntsville
1: staple. It's an Alabama staple. It's a Southeast staple.
2: Yeah, um, and then you know I just.
1: Oh, his um, his likeness was used in the Nolan Ryan Fitness guides published by the President's Council on Fitness and in 1984. You know, the people that used to make you do the damn v-sits and stuff in yeah. middle school. They used him as a poster child.
2: And he suffered a heart attack in 2000, but, and he received double coronary bypass surgery to, you yeah. know, he survived that, but man, that's, yikes, you yeah. know.
1: And then um, you get in the back side here, and um, he's partial owner of the Rangers now, which is a team he played with. Yeah. Because in February 2008, they hired him as a team president, after 2009, him and a man named Chuck Greenberg submitted a bid to purchase them from the former owner, Tom Hicks, mm-hmm. who purchased that from the Bushes, mm-hmm. of the uh, Presidential Lineage. Oh yeah, I forgot. George W. Bush was the owner of the Rangers during Ryan's career with the Rangers. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think <laughs> his dad was involved before he was. I'm not, not sure I, I'm not sure about that, but I think sure. his dad was the owner and then he got it from his dad and
2: Well, I knew that.
1: I can't don't quote me on that. I think that's accurate. Really. At least
2: George Bush Sr. was a mainstay at Houston Astros games like as a you know, like right behind home plate. With Barbara just watching
1: games, yeah. All right, so um, his son then got the Rangers. So they've just done both Texas baseball teams. I'm sure, yeah. It's something like that. Um, But yeah, um, at midnight on August 5th, twenty ten, the Ryan Greenberg group, the Rangers Baseball Express. Great business name. Yeah. Because he was the Express. Was announced as the winners of the final auction of, parts of the Rangers, and after final approval from MLB, the final cash bid to part cash bid, yeah, was three hundred eighty-five million. The opposing high bidder was Mark Cuban, from Shark Tank and the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I love that show. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but Greenberg became general partner and CEO while he remained team president, and then he left in two thousand eleven. Reportedly, Greenberg did due to a philosophical clash with Ryan. Ryan was immediately named CEO while well, keeping until I was president. And then they had some oil magnets involved, a guy named Roy Davis and Bob Simpson, and they served as co-chairman and helped larger stakes. And and, and um, he became the undisputed head of the franchise with Davis and Simpson serving most of his senior consultants. Um, in 2012, he was Dallas-Fort Worth CEO of the Year by selling him at... SMU's Cox School of Business, Southern Massachusetts University. Yep. During the baseball meetings in Scottsdale in 2013, the Rangers announced that GM John Daniels would add President of Baseball Operations to a title. Rick George promoted the title of Business Operations and his title was changed to his CEO. So he just was owning the Texas Rangers.
2: Yeah. Well, they stepped down in October 17, 2013. Yep. And then next year, he became a special assistant to
1: Houston Astros. Yep, and that's where kind of his career ends. Yeah, and he's
2: just doing his thing. I mean, he's still, as far as I know, they're still on the
1: Round Rock Express. But, um, hey, if you ever get a chance to get off that area, great experience to the ballpark. Yeah. I got this hat down here, right here next to us that I've actually bought there and been there. It's awesome. Yeah.
2: And of course, it, you know, him and his wife, Ruth, they had, uh, kids Reed, Reese and Wendy Reed and Reese both pitched in college for TCU and Reed briefly pitched in the minor leagues and I saw somewhere Nolan Ryan's grandson I think it was either Reed or Reese's kid I think Jackson Ryan and this is a few years ago and I'm going to have to find the article and I apologize for in advance for this but his, Jackson Ryan Nolan's grandson has like autism or something like that. And he still played like high school baseball or like some sort I of, maybe not high school baseball. He still played baseball
1: in some sort. And I love that. It's yeah. like the kid that's going viral right now with uh one arm that's hitting dingers. Yeah. I'm not but, sure if you saw this this past week, Matt. I believe I, I did briefly, like just scrolling through he's It's video. on TikTok or Instagram or some okay. some of that crap.
2: So okay, so I stand corrected. It's not autism. Jackson Ryan has cerebral palsy. And he was, was a pitcher. Year. You know, he pitched in high school. And, you know, just like his granddad, you know, he was a pitcher. And he didn't let cerebral palsy get in the way and stop him from being, base, you know, from being, uh, from playing baseball. You know, he overcome his his circumstances and said, I would still play baseball because I'm a Ryan. And that's what Ryans do. We play baseball. So, you know,
1: so he's got that same bull-headed mentality that his grandfather had.
2: Yeah. I mean, he just, you know, and he, in an article from like April of 2020, you know, based on, I guess, the sports spectrum.com, it says, Jackson Ryan aims for a managerial career with cerebral palsy, continues in all family legacy. So, you know, it's just he wants to... I expect that. I respect that. I mean, at the time he's twenty, so I get he's still in his early twenties, but he wants to, you know, have a career in baseball just like his dad and granddad.
1: What's and, to keep you from having that career? Exactly. If you know baseball, you can still be a manager, even if you, even though you can't physically play it. I'm All with right. it. Like, one thousand percent with it.
2: Like, there's a broadcaster. I can't think of his name at the top of top of my head, but like he went to Syracuse. This dude has cerebral palsy. Oh. And he still broadcast games like for I think he broadcast for the White Sox briefly, and he did like basketball games with Bill Walton on ESPN. But he did let cerebral palsy stop him from doing achieving his dream of being associated with sports, and nobody looks down on him because he has cerebral palsy. He's still doing his thing. It's just like you
1: know, as long as you're good at
2: it, do it. Right. You know. So this is inspirational for anybody who has. Uh, oh, yeah. This type of disability or something similar to I it. I can like, mess hey, around, or
1: something like that. Don't let,
2: yeah, don't let your disability stop you from doing what you want to do. You know, I mean that's that's it's really heartwarming. You know, it's very inspirational, and that's all I really got to say about Nolan Ryan. You
1: know, I got I got something to wrap it up. With. Okay, Ryan, Nolan Ryan and Frank Robinson are the only two Major League players to have their number retired by all three teams which they played: Angels. Rangers, and Astros for Ryan. Yeah. And then he was also elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yep. 1999. In nineteen ninety nine on his first field of the 98.79% vote. 491 out of 497. The sixth field that didn't bung him. Nothing to say about those people. Yeah. That's trash. Um, He's the fifth highest in percentage in history behind Mariano, Jeter, Griffey, Seaver, which is funny. It serves back to Seaver. That's (laughs) where we started. Seaver, yeah. Um, he chose to wear a ranger ranger's cap for his plaque to reflect his Texas heritage, and um, the fact that his three hundredth win is five thousandth strikeout which I got a cool little uh, 5,000 strikeout autograph ball from him, which is uh, it's uh, like printed on the ball. It's not his actual signature. Right, I got cool. one of those in my house from his 5,000 strikeout. That's really cool. At my parents' house. I need to get it before I move. Yeah. Because when we moved to Birmingham here in two and, half, two and a half weeks, by the way, guys, yeah. we're going to be doing this over soon. Quality might go down a little bit. But we're going to figure it out. We're going to make it right. Right. It'll be okay. But I got that. I got it in. No one ran. 5,000 strikeout ball. Yeah. Um... He was the first Hall of Famer in First Rangers Hall of Famer. And um, they also recognized the Angels as his primary team. because so He played more games there, I reckon. He was 41st in the sporting news list of the 100 greatest baseball players the same year he was elected in. Imagine mm-hmm. being a top 100 baseball player of all time. It's an honor. He absolutely deserves to be one of the top 100 baseball players. I, I'm probably like top... Three hundred thousand, you know, yeah, like
2: right. I mean, there's there's been twenty two thousand over twenty two thousand players that played usually
1: Baseball. Oh shit! Well, I'm top million, then. You but, know, you know, if you make it to the top one hundred, You you're awesome. You know, um, nobody can take
2: that. Yeah, he was
1: forty first in the baseball in the sporting news back then, I was still a thing. Yeah. Um, Rangers Hall of Fame, two thousand three. Rangers mm-hmm. and Astros hometown hero in two thousand six. The only player to be so named by two franchises ever. Mm-hmm. In 2011, he was inducted into the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame, so I guess he has some of the news there.
2: Yeah, Ryan's kind of an Irish last name.
1: In 92, the U.S. Mint produced a $1 commemorative coin honoring, honoring Olympic baseball, depicting a pitcher in the USA baseball forum, and the post was him. Wow. It's not officially him, but it was his. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like the guy with the NBA, the logo. Um, Jerry what, West. Jerry West. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1995, the Texas Legislature declared State Highway 288, the Nolan Ryan Expressway, which is cool because uh, people That's call them the Nolan Ryan Express. Awesome. Yeah. And the Alvin Independent School District opened Nolan Ryan Junior High School, located whatever address in Pearland, Texas, just a few hundred yards away from the Nolan Ryan Expressway. And the Nolan Ryan Foundation is a Texas nonprofit organization that supports youth education, community development, and is headquartered in Round Rock, Texas, where he owns his minor league team, Makes sense. the Round Rock Express. The Texas Trail Hall of Fame inducted him in two thousand nine, and the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame inducted him in two thousand ten. As he should. So my man has gotten several accolades. Yeah, and post so- post baseball.
2: So, I mean that's that's all you can really say about Nolan. I mean he's obviously
1: still alive today. He's arguably I'm a. is I struggle with baseball because baseball pitching history because you have guys that pitched in a different era. Like he pitched in more of you know, baseball has its eras, even though it's the live ball and the dead ball era. Right. There's different like every decade's different in baseball. Yeah. Like, we're in 2020. The stuff me and you watched in the 90s, like the home run race, is different. You know, man? But he is is one of the most dominant pitchers to ever exist. And I really want to call him the best pitcher to ever live. But he's, depending on which area you're looking at, he may or may not be. Right. And I really struggle with that. Because I think he is the best pitcher, in my opinion, to ever pitch a baseball.
2: For sure. I mean, just... I mean, sure, Cy Young may have over five. Yeah, the most. Well, yeah, but
1: but it was different. Right, and then
2: you have different time. You pitched more,
1: you know. Yeah, Whatever. and then you. It's just every decade is different.
2: Yep. It's just so different. It's just it's it, that's what makes yeah. that's that's the reason what makes baseball history great because every decade is not the same. Something different happens that makes the game more unique and stands out in the history of the game. So, in closing, I'd like to say two things that are not related to no one. One, I'm going to the Baseball Hall of Fame production this year and I'm going to volunteer. Unfortunately, I'm like only one of like nine, only like
1: nine four interns are going to volunteer this year. And I'm like the only guy. So, that's interesting. (laughs) Hey, remember we did an episode, Ladies Can Play Ball too.
2: Right, Ladies Can Play Ball too. And I'm glad that women... At least these women like baseball. And two, I'd like to congratulate Joey Gallo for finally getting a hit this season last weekend. <laughs> last weekend, or a couple weekends ago, when the Yankees played the Red Sox
1: at Fenway. Nah, that's messed up. <laughs> so, the,
2: so this was my weekend a couple weekends ago. Man, struggling. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, July 8th, 9th, and 10th. I was blessed to watch the Yankees' Red Sox play not once, but three times that weekend on three different channels. Watched it on the MLB Network on Friday. Watched it on Fox on Saturday. That was their Fox game of the week. And then I watched it on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN on Sunday. And the best part about all of this was that, I believe it was in the third inning, Joey Gallo, two runners on one out. Joey Gallo hits a fly ball to right field. And this is from, like, the Yahoo article. It was not a very good fly ball, and it should have been well within range for the right fielder, Christian Royo, who was the Red Sox right field at the time. And MLB StatCast gave it an XBA of .010, basically a 1% chance they were being hit. And poor Christian Royo, and that I felt sorry. The
1: sun or something. It was like twilight.
2: I felt sorry for this guy. He, he, he's like going up, and he's like midway in right field, and he's looking up, and he's got his arms up. And I thought he was just kind of like showing off because, again, this is Yankees' Red Sox roster. It's like, right, I'm looking for it. But, hey, I'm, but he's still like, I'm looking for it, and I, he's like, I can't see it. He's mouthing the words, I can't see it, I can't see it. I don't know where the ball is. The ball lands like 50 feet behind him down the right field line fair. And Joey Gallo is like he was—he was just trotting, he was just jogging to first, thinking, "Okay, it's a pop up." And then when it finally lands, Joey Gallo's like, "Oh shit, I got to run!" <laughs> and so you he, know,
1: my biggest problem with major league ball players is this. balls yeah. like that—they're not legging it. He could have been standing on third.
2: Right. Well, and it's say he got a triple out of it, but then the son of a gun tried to go and make it inside the park and run, and he got thrown out.
1: But so, you deserve for being a subpar here this year. Right, because if this was... And they're paying you, what, $300 million? Right, you're paying your a lot of
2: money. <laughs> if this was anybody from the dead ball era, if this was Cobb, if this was Ricky Henderson, if this was maybe Jazz Chisholm, they would have made that, inside or Ichiro. they would have made that inside the park home run easily. They would have hustled that
1: thing out.
2: They, they would not have jogged to first. They would have ran, ran, ran.
1: My hand right now, skin up, skin up from trying to over hustle Minsley play. Right, you know,
2: so, Joe, and I hate to joke on Joey Gallo, but I've said this before. Oh, he's, he's he is he is the uh, Dave Kingman of our generation, but worse. But it's like, dude, you got to hit. You got you got stop striking out. Like poor Miguel Andahar. Who was who was trying to break the Yankees lineup? Got sent down to A because the Yankees just love Joey Gallo
1: so much, and they don't Why? care if he
2: strikes out every Why?
1: game. Why? Why do they love him so much? He's so subpar so right now.
2: Right. And send like, him
1: down, give him a wake up call, bring him back up, man. Right.
2: Sit him down to AAA, scrape, and get him Let him a call. sit there for two yeah.
1: weeks, bring him back up.
2: Right. And let give him a wake up call, and just try to teach him how to hit again, because obviously he's not getting. It. So and I usually you I, know a slump's
1: a slump, man. But a damn, a damn,
2: this is like a damn
1: eighty game slump is not a damn slump anymore. Right?
2: This is like you're not good. Why are we paying this money
1: to play major league baseball?
2: And I'm sorry, I don't try to joke on individual players. I never try to do that. No, it's man, not
1: easy to play baseball. Me right. and you play together. It's not easy.
2: Right? Joey Gallo is doing something that Patrick and I could not do. Right? And we have to give him
1: the respect. I think. It. I think me personally. I could go right now and go play for the fucking Yankees. And I'd, I'd get two hits to his one right now, man. He's right. just slumping. Because yeah. I'm just going to steal in the fucking fastball, so I'm going to hack as hard yeah. as I can. And I bet I could I bet I could knock a couple singles.
2: Right. And the thing is, it's like right, we give him respect because he obviously was good enough to make it to the major leagues and stay for some amount of time. Well, Dude, he's thing. a great
1: ball player. Right. He's just slumping really hard. He needs to figure something out. It's got to be like, something in his head. It's got to be the New York media. It's got to be something. Right.
2: He's got to change it. And he's got to focus more on getting more extra face hits. Like before face. this
1: podcast started, we talked about how big media works, man. Like yeah. That New York media is tough. Right. But you. I guarantee right. I can ride up there right now and not just just not pick up the New York Times. Right. And I can go up there and take big old monster donkey hacks every pitch they threw at me. Right. And I bet I can hit better than you did.
2: Right, I mean, the and I,
1: you know, I play in men's league baseball and then in thirty and over league, if, you know, and I didn't even hit in college. I was a mediocre hitter in high school. I think I could get a couple of hits.
2: If George Steinbrenner was still alive, instead of his sons running the team,
1: oh man, they'd have traded him for a bag of baseballs. you right, would tell Joey Gallo to GTFO. Like, yeah, would've, they would have traded him for a bag of right. baseballs and thousand bucks.
2: But the thing is, Steinbrenner had
1: balls, and his sons do not. So, oh, his sons are soft.
2: Yeah, but anyway...
1: But uh, hell, I thought we wrap this up. Right. Just, Joey Gallo, right, man? But I, they're just struggling yeah. so hard.
2: I feel bad for him. I, I feel bad for him, too, but I just wanted to get that out of my system because I've been waiting to say that on the air. Because people, if you follow me on social dude, media... he's
1: struggling so hard. Yeah. I hate it for him, man. He's a good dude. Yeah. He's good for the community, but my man couldn't hit the broad side of a barn if he fell off an airplane right, right. now. And, you know? I, um,
2: and I apologize to the Joey Gallo fans who actually listen to this podcast. If you want to come after me, go for it on, on our, our email, baseball, baseball, H-I-S, 101, gmail.com. That's fine. But you got to realize he's got he's not doing right. He's got to do something to Dude, him I it. I man's
1: slumping so hard. Right. It's, it's not I've good. I've never seen a slump like this.
2: It's not good. So, anyway, we're going to wrap up. But either way, Ryan.
1: man, I hope you all enjoyed Nolan Ryan. Um, I am personally moving to Birmingham in two and a half weeks. And – we're going to be doing this over Zoom, so we might be able to incorporate a YouTube version of this. Yeah. It could
2: take um, some time, but yeah, we but got We're going to
1: have to figure out how it works, because I don't know.
2: And, I, you know, know, and like, I know Zoom, but like I don't use it as often to remember what all goes down. I'm
1: going to have to figure out how to record and stuff, man, but we really appreciate listening to us. Um, yeah, thank you so much.
2: Thank and you for
1: listening. We, we should have got this episode out sooner, but we both also have day jobs, and it's... yeah.
2: I mean, that's like, kind of man. been
1: a kick in the teeth, man. So we're trying to do the best we can for y'all. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I hope y'all enjoyed this. And as always, I'm over here with my buddy,
2: Matthew Carter.
1: And I'm Patrick DeVault. Y'all have a great evening or a great day or wherever you're at. And we'll see y'all next time. Have a good night. The
0: whiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while Rock and roll was being born Marijuana we would scorn So down on the corner The national pastime went on trial We're talking baseball Klazuski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber and the nuke They knew them all From Boston to Dubuque Especially with Mickey and the Duke Well, Casey was winning Hank Aaron was beginning One Robbie going out One coming in Kiner and Midget Cadell, The Thumper and Mel Parnell And Ike was the only one winning down in Washington I'm talking baseball Klazowski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller the Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially the Mickey and the Duke Now my old friend, the Bachelor Well, he swore he was the Oklahoma kid And Cookie played hooky To go and see the Duke me, I always love Willie May, those were the days Well, now it's the 80s, and Brett is the greatest And Bobby Bonds can play for everyone Rose is at the vet, Rusty again as a Met and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball. Like Reggie, Queese, and Barry talking baseball. Carew and Gaylord, Terry, Seaver, Darby, Schmidt, and by the Blue. If Cooper's town is calling, it's no fluke. They'll be with Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey It was Willie Nikki, and the Duke Say hey, say hey, say hey I'm talking with.